us whether and you know learn at your feet lord we ask oh god that as we um listen to today's bible study and participate we ask that our eyes of understanding is enlightened we ask oh god that your word will be spoken as your word is being spoken through your prophet we ask oh god that it meets us at the point of our needs and it falls on fertile ground in the name of jesus we ask that as a result of today's teaching our lives are transformed and become better people because of it in jesus name amen amen okay so we can do a quick recap of what we learned last week so is there anyone that wants to share with us something that he learned last week? Anyone like that or Mitzela or on Zoom? What did we learn last week? Joy, do you want do you mind helping us out? What did you learn? Oh, Joy is not on the Samuel. Let me call people that I know. Samuel, please. What did you learn last week? Do you mind sharing with us one thing that you learned last week? Okay, while we wait for Samuel, I'll just like to share um, my own thoughts. So um, last week, um, we started a new series. And then um, one of the things that got me thinking, like even after the whole teaching um, um, was a question that Victor put to us and asked us. And it got me thinking after the whole teaching and how we as believers, we ought to live our lives, how we are pointers to Christ and, and even the contributions from people saying that, because I remember one of the contributions was that when we become born again and we have the new life in us we naturally start to live the life that pleases god and with time we becomes consistent with our nature the new nature the new christ-like nature that was what stood out for me last week so samuel i don't know if you are there or if there's any other person or mixer victor please can you help us check is anyone on mixer like that Dropped something on the chat. Um, no comments yet on Mixella. <clears throat> okay. I think we should just go on while we wait for comments. Then we can read them as we proceed. All right. Thank you very much, Faith. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us today, tonight. Yeah. Um, before we proceed, yeah, like I always want to do, just confirm that you can hear me clearly. Um, so if you're a mixer, please just type in um, a comment. Let me know that you can hear me. And then if you're in Zoom, you can give me a thumbs up or type in the chat also to let me know that you can hear me. All right, as we continue. So I'm looking out for our comments, yeah. Okay, one more time, good good um, evening. It's evening here, so just in case you're in a different time zone, but it's evening here in Nigeria. All right, um, today we're, we're continuing. Okay, I see a thumbs up from you, Faith, you can hear me. Awesome, please, for those of us on Mixer, I kindly confirm, so I'm sure we are all together. Um, I'm quite excited about today's discussion um and i'm sure you'll be blessed as well uh, i've tried i've tried to contain this within myself all week but okay um i just want to share with us a few things thank you okay i see your message on 
Mixeller, right? You can hear me, thanks. Okay, so I'll share with us just a few things as we progress on our thoughts um, of science. And I'll let me just start again from by giving by giving us a, a refresher of what we looked at last week. So we started this new amazing um, discussion, right? And we titled it Science. And the whole idea is that um, a sign is something that points to another thing. So a sign doesn't point to, to itself. A sign points to something else. So a good example would be to look at um, a billboard, a typical billboard or a signpost. The billboard either advertises a particular product or the billboard points, you know, points direction to a particular place or a particular thing, all right? Uh, but the billboard doesn't point to itself. And so what we, we started off by saying last week was that as Christians, God has called us to be signs, meaning that as Christians, God has called us to be people that point to him. So we are not to point to ourselves, all right? Um, just as a billboard doesn't point to itself, the purpose of having a signage or a signboard isn't to point to itself, but it's either to it's to either point to a particular thing or to notify the presence of, of something else, but definitely not itself. So a sign, for instance, if you're looking for a pharmacy, you might see a, a the signboard of a pharmacy and says, oh, the pharmacy is to go to the pharmacy, turn right. So that sign points to the pharmacy, okay? Or for instance, you might get to the pharmacy and see a sign that says XYZ pharmacy. That sign there is to tell you that you have arrived at the pharmacy. So that's also how it is for us as Christians that our lives should point to God and should also let people know that they have reached God. All right, if, if you get what I mean. Meaning that people, can, people should look at us and desire God, not look at us and desire to be no, and desire to desire us. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, our lives should not lead to ourselves. Our lives should lead to God. So whatever increase, whatever expansion, whatever blessings, you got married, um, you started a new business, you, you got a new job that paid you 10 times salary, whatever great thing happens around your life, ultimately it should lead people to Christ and not to yourself, all right? And this whole idea would even help us in the way we communicate the testimonies of our lives. Because it's possible for me to come and say, share a testimony, for instance, and say, um, you know what, I just got a new job that pays me seven times my salary. And I now begin to tell you how I got that new job. I like, I studied, I wrote, I was strategic about my connections. I went to meet people that knew. And everything I'm saying might be good and nothing bad in itself. But the way I communicate it might end up pointing people to me as a, as a very intellectual, very smart, very, you know, high up there person. So when we have this idea of science, the way we communicate to people, the way we speak to people, and that's why you hear Paul say something like, I am what I am by the grace of God. Then he says, the grace of God upon my life was not without effect or was not without um, um, yeah, effect, right? He says, I labor more than them or yet not I, but the grace of God at work in me. So eventually, Paul took away the attention from himself, you know, to, to God. And we referenced Galatians 2 verse 20 last week where, where Paul says, I have crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He says, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live, you know, by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gives himself and gave himself for me. So eventually Paul was saying in essence that my life is really not my life. The life you see right now is Christ living in me. So if there's anything you see in me that you appreciate, it is actually Christ that is working it in me. All right. And that reminds us of the scripture, Philippians 2 verse 13, that says it is God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So we started off on that note last week and we saw how, you know, from this discussion and we had amazing contribution. So please, if you weren't around last week, I encourage you to, um, to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, we, we saw how important it is for our lives um, to reflect Christ and how that people are actually looking at our lives, <clears throat> whether believers or unbelievers. And our lives send a message, you know, to people. It could either pull people to Christ or, or drive people away from Christ. But what I wanted to want us to look at today specifically is 
um, light in the in light in darkness. That's what we call it. And what that means is how we can live our lives in such a way that it illuminates, even though everyone around us or the world around the world generally is is in darkness. Okay, so that's what we want to look at today. All right, let's start with um, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six and seven. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses six and seven. Please, if you are there, just go ahead and read um, for us. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six and verse seven. All right, let me read. Second Corinthians four, verse six and seven says, "For God, who." commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Praise God. So Paul began to speak and said, and, and say, you know, that, the same God who called light out of darkness. And we see that um, we see that in the book of Genesis, right? God called light out of darkness. He says that that same God has now called, he says, has caused, has shined his light in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the same God that called light out of darkness has also shined that light in our hearts. So, you know, and the purpose is to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So what this suggests to us is that the, the knowledge of the glory of God carries an illumination. And when we come to Christ, that illumination becomes our experience. So God shines that light into our hearts because of our contact with the knowledge of the glory of God. So the knowledge of God carries illumination in itself. And when we get, come to know God, all right, that light begins to beam in our hearts. So Paul says that the same way God called light to shine out of darkness, meaning there was darkness and the way God, God solved the darkness problem wasn't by taking away darkness. The way he solved darkness problem was by making light to shine and the presence of light automatically dispelled darkness. So Paul is saying that in the same manner, God has shined his light in our hearts and the reason is that what happened in Genesis 1 can happen through our lives as well. That light shined out of darkness, meaning our lives will be lights that shine out of darkness in this world. Do we get that? I want to read this same scripture from the Passion Translation. Um, it says from verse 6, right? It says, for God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded his light into us, meaning he has allowed his light to permeate or to flow into us. He says, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze in the face of Christ, meaning that this light continues to permeate into our lives and shines through us as we keep our eyes on, on Jesus Christ, as we keep our gaze on Jesus Christ. So I read this to show how that God wants, uh, God wants us to shine as light in darkness. The same way he called light out of darkness in Genesis is the same way he's calling us as light to shine in this present darkness. All right? So second scripture to um, give us the foundation um, to this is Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 um, to 15. The book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. All right, someone should please read for us Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Okay, let me do the reading then. Um, so it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 14 continues and says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. All right, meaning there shouldn't be murmuring among, um, you know, among you. There shouldn't be disputing and all of that. Then look at verse 15. He says, with the reason why he, why he said we should do things without murmuring and disputing is so that you may be blameless and harmless 
He says the sons of God without rebuke, meaning without a, a, an occasion for people to correct you. He says in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And I, I, I again, I, I just love you reading other translations to give us, um, to help our understanding of this um, scripture. All right, so I want to read from the Passion Translation where we just read in verse, um, 14, verse 15. Yeah, it says, from the, in verse 15, it says, um, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, as shining lights in the world. And this is God's, this is God's desire for every believer that when you make contact with the light of salvation, the light of salvation should so shine in your life that you become a light in the world. Hallelujah. Um, well, one scripture we read um, last week that is that serves as a foundation for the whole of this series is when Jesus Christ said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. All right? So God expects us to shine as lights. God desires us to shine as light because the world is full of darkness and we are the light of the world. That is exactly what Jesus Christ said. All right, so these two scriptures shows us, you know, God's desire and God's expectation. Let me read again the last part of verse 15. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Let me read the whole verse. It says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as light. So think about this and ask yourself, am I shining as light in what I am doing or in where I am? You might be in school, you might be working, you might be in a business, you might be, in a, you, we all belong to a family, um, in the society. Ask yourself, am I shining as light? Can someone find any reason to spot me and say there's, a, there's something different about you? You know, I had a, we had a, you know, like a workshop some weeks ago, I, sometime last month, I believe. Um, and we all, I typically work remotely, but for this workshop, we all had to come together. And one of the days we went out, you know, to hang out as a team, went to the beach and all of that. And then one guy just said to me that, you know, there's just something about you that I cannot tell. Oh, actually, he, he has said this, if I the first, not maybe not the first time he saw me, but one of the first few, few times we met physically, which was during the same experience, he just told me, greeted me, I was like, there's just something about you, I, I just can't tell, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about you that I really like. And I mean, I, I pretended like I didn't know what he was talking about. So I just joked, joked about it, you know, and we moved on. But on this particular day when we were at the beach, he began to, you know, began to have a conversation and he, he just said, hey, that this is, he, now, he could not figure it out. And ultimately what he was just saying is, was the life and the light of Christ. Um, you might not have the opportunity or people might not have the opportunity to tell you to your face, but the question you should ask yourself, and I hope your answer should be yes, is that, am I shining as light where I am? Whether anybody compliments you or not, that's not, that's not the case. The real question is, am I shining as, as light where I am? Because there is darkness in this world, and I assure you, there is darkness in this world. And God expects us to shine as light, all right? So what I want to do over the next, say, 30 minutes, right? And I hope I'm, I can keep to that. And if, if time elapses, we'll just continue from where we stop next week. But what I want to do is to see three ways in which we can shine as light in this world. So please stay with me. It's, very, it's a very um, insightful and instructive you know, Bible study we'll do today. So I want to see three ways we can shine as light. Three things in our lives, or yeah, three things that make us shine as light in this world. Remember, there's darkness. And if you ever enter a dark room, when you turn on the light, you cannot mistake it. The light is obvious. It's conspicuous. Even when you look at the clouds in the night, the reason why you can spot the um, stars is because the stars shine. There's illumination. The cloud is typically dark, but you can spot the stars because there's light coming out from the stars. That's how God want that God, God wants our lives to be, that people should be able to look at the whole darkness in the world and they can spot you because there's a light that your life beams and the darkness cannot comprehend it, all right? 
So I want to look at three ways in which, or three things that make our lights to shine in this dark world. Okay, now to draw these, these three things, um, we will we'll look at the book of Daniel. <clears throat> and the book of Daniel, because um, the book of Daniel is a perfect example of people who shined as light, even in a dark world. So the kingdom of Babylon and several other kingdoms that, you know, um, that Daniel and his friends experienced, right, were ungodly kingdoms. They did not believe in God. They didn't have any affiliation to God. There was nothing godly about them. They had soothsayers. They had magicians. They had astrologers. They had people that, that, that were, just imagine government paying the salary of a witch. Just think about that kind of setup, you know. That is exactly how the kingdom was, okay? That they had people that were doing all manner of, manner of you know, spiritual things, and they were on the government payroll. That was how dark the kingdom was, and that was how much they were giving to darkness. However, in the midst of this, we see that Daniel and his three friends stood out as light. So we want to take out parallels from the book of Daniel and see how that applies to our lives in this world. Because, um, I mean, the book of Daniel is symbolism for how we live currently. The fact that this world is governed by, by, um, by an ideology that is anti-Christ, anti and yet we are called to shine as light, okay? So most of our scriptures will be from the book of Daniel, but of course we'll reference other scriptures and also we'll draw a parallel from the temptation of Jesus Christ and see how these, all these tie in together. Okay, let's go. So number one is, so three things that make us shine as light in this world. The very first thing, and this is the beginning of, of every single thing, is our consecration, all right? So if you are writing it down or taking notes, number one is consecration. And this is number one for a, for a reason, that everything we will do externally starts from a consecration that we have imbibed internally. Let me take that again. Every action we take externally starts from a consecration that we have imbibed internally, okay? So let us read Daniel chapter one, verse eight. And if you ever went to... Since church while growing up or children's church, you there's no way you'd have missed this scripture. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. <clears throat> Please, somebody should go ahead and read for us. I want to hear somebody read actually. So I'm going to wait until somebody reads for us. Daniel chapter 1, just reading verse 8. Daniel 1, verse 8. Yes, please. My Hi. name is Elizabeth. Yeah, so it says Daniel 1, verse 8 from the Amplified says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the Eunches that he might not defile himself. Thank you very much. So let me give context to this because it's easy to quote it and not know the implication of what Daniel was um, was doing, and Daniel and his friends were doing. So these guys had been, they, the people of Israel had been taken captive, you know, um, into Babylon as permitted by God. And then the king gave a decree and said, you know what, from the Israelites that just came in, look for handsome men, people that are wise and have intellect, and they can, they can stand before the king. You know, it will say it in today's terminology, we'll say, it will sound something like, look for people that had finesse, that could carry themselves, that had that courage, that had that aura to stand before the king. And this was a huge privilege. The rest of the people were in bondage. And in, just imagine you were the one. You had the opportunity to be in a king's palace, palace, right? To be fed by the king, to be nurtured by the king, to be part of the government. I mean, that is an opportunity you would, you would probably tell yourself, this is, a, this is a breakthrough. This is an open door. Anything they say I, would to, I should do, I would just do it because this must be God. And of course, yes, it was God, you know, that let them um, become selected. But even in that breakthrough, as it were, on that testimony, there was something that they were going to do that Daniel and his friends could not be a part of because of their commitment to God. And this is what, what it was. Um, they were going to be giving food, sacrifice, that had been sacrificed to idols and you know, all of that. And Daniel said to his friend, uh, Daniel and his friends rather said to the person in charge and said, you know what? First of all, before they even made, it, made any um, external commitment to, to anyone, 
The Bible says Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself. And the first thing I want to say here is that the whole conversation started from the heart. And this is the thing about consecration, all right? Okay, before I come to that, let me finish this, that Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat and, and all of that. There was something that had the potential to defile him, but Daniel said he would not be a part of it. And this is where, as Christians, especially as Christians under the grace of God, we must be very careful that the presence of grace is not a license to be defiled. Just the, the, the fact that we can ask for forgiveness should never be an excuse to indulge in iniquity, all right? And this is what Daniel said, that this thing that, I mean, the king is asking me to do or that is being, is, is part of the norm, has the potential to defile me. And so I'm not going to be part of it. And it started from the heart. So first thing I want to ask you is that, or I want to bring to your notice is, there will be things in your life and in this world generally that have the potential to defile you. And guess what? These things will be common. There will be, there will be if you tell an unbeliever that you don't want to do it, they will ask you and say, like, and what is it? there's nothing wrong in it. What is it not just everybody is doing it, you know? But you need to be discerning enough to know that this particular thing or this activity or this action will have the capacity to defile you. You must guard your heart. I guess that's where I'm going to guard your heart out against anything that has the capacity to de defile you, to, to muddy your waters. There's a stillness and purity that ought to flow from the life of every believer. And it is your responsibility to guard your heart from anything that will stain the purity of that flow in your life. And what I mean by flow is the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your, in your heart, right? Guard yourself against anything that can defile it. That is really what concentration is about. And Daniel said, that the Bible says rather that Daniel proposed in his heart. And this is where I was going, to, um, I was going to initially that it all starts from a determination in your heart that nobody would know what, in fact, you might be in a place where nobody knows you. You might be in a place where you are completely new. So even if you indulge in it, nobody knows that you're a Christian. Nobody cares. You are, you are probably in a strange land, in a strange territory. Nobody knows anything about your history. So there's no external reason for you to refrain from indulging in whatever it is. But it starts from the heart. And that's where, what Daniel did. Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So I want to start by encouraging and maybe instructing us. Determine those things in your environment. It could be songs. It could be um, certain relationships. It could be certain places. It could be whatever it is that has the ability to defile you. It might be certain engagements. I might even be, and you know, this is why as Christians, we, have, we, we, we must be intentional even about business. It might be certain clients or certain jobs or whatever it is that has the, the capacity, to, capacity to defile you and you have to say no to it. All right? So that's my first encouragement. It starts with your heart. Concentration starts with your heart. Consecration here simply means setting yourself apart for a particular use and nothing else is permitted to be used by you once you've once you, once you set yourself apart all right um, and I normally use this example for the, many of many of you that grew up in African typical African homes right you would find out that um, your parents especially your dad he had a particular set of things only him used. It could be spoons or cups or, or plates, right? But it was just for him. So you, it was common to hear something like, oh, this cup is for daddy's, daddy's cup. If a visitor comes, you cannot serve a visitor with daddy's cup. Now, what that means is that that cup is consecrated to daddy, such that even if you have guests, you cannot use that cup to serve them because the cup is supposed to be used only for daddy. No matter how thirsty you are, you cannot use that cup to drink water because it is meant for daddy alone. That is what consecration means, that you belong to your heavenly daddy and nothing else should have permission to occupy space or time in your life because you have, you have been consecrated to him, all right? And I said again that this starts as a determination in your heart. The same way Daniel proposed in his heart not to defile himself is the same way you will have to make up your mind and say, 
regardless of how common or how popular or how trendy a particular thing is, I will not involve, be involved in it because it has the capacity to defile me. Okay. And again, let me say this because we're, we're New Testament believers. So there's the excuse that I'll just pray now, God will forgive me. And quite all right, God will forgive you, but you will not grow. You will always remain at, at a stunted level of growth. And what that means is that your, the brilliance of your life ah, will not be bright. Okay. So propose in your heart that you will not defile yourself with anything that can defile you. That is concentration. And I want to read a scripture also. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Um, I want to read this from the Amplified Bible. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, just to show you, um, to drive this thought further. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Sorry, verse 13, I beg your Oh, 15, sorry, yeah. First Peter 3, verse 13. Let me read this um, for us from the Amplified Classic. It says, but in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. This is so powerful. I, um, the, the verse continues, but my emphasis is that first sentence. It says, but in your hearts, again, it all starts from your heart. What you have not determined in your heart, you cannot live out as a lifestyle. Have you ever seen people try? I mean, if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably would have seen people who tried to become, you know, they tried and they were zealous for God, but after a while, their zeal just died down. And unfortunately, they went back into the world. The reason was because the zeal and everything hadn't taken root in their hearts yet. You know, I, I back in secondary school, I think this was in SS2, there was this colleague of mine or classmate of mine that he gave his life to Christ. He was a was he was just terrible before then, but he gave his life to Christ, and we all were excited. But there was a problem. He was he became so zealous without having roots in God, and by the next term, his zeal had gone so low he was back into the world. The reason why was the reason why that was the case was because he, he had not yet settled. He had not grounded himself in his heart yet. And this is what Apostle Peter was saying. He says, in your heart, set apart, set Christ apart as holy. What that means is that nothing should interfere with the position of Christ in your heart. He says, set him apart as holy and as Lord. And this is where everything starts from. Our shining as light in this world starts from the fact that we acknowledge Christ as holy. Holy means he's, he's untouchable. You cannot touch him. His position in your life cannot be substituted by anything or anyone else. He's, and the Bible says, set him apart as holy and as Lord. Lord means master, means whatever he dictates to you. It's not a democratic arrangement where you vote and you vote and you now say, oh, the person with the highest vote wins or the person that can argue his points more in a, just like we do in a court of law. The person that can present the strongest argument will win. No, it's not that. It is a relationship of Lord and servant, meaning, he dictates to you whatever he desires and you obey it. It is only in this kind of relationship that dictatorship is allowed. Do you get what I'm saying? That Christ can dictate to you what he desires of your life as Lord, and you would obey and adhere to it because he is your Lord. And this is where everything begins with. If Christ is not your Lord, there is no way light will shine from you. And let me tell you the truth here. Yeah? You can tell a, the life of someone who has made Christ his Lord. It is not from the activities. There's an aura, there's a fragrance that a person's life carries that is only available if the person honors God, honors Jesus Christ as Lord of his life or her life. All right? So this is where we all begin from, consecration, where you set Christ apart as holy, meaning nothing can interfere with his position in your life as number one and as Lord. All right? And once that is the case, you see that it becomes easy for you to say, I will not defile myself with so-so and so. I will not defile myself with this relationship. I will not defile myself with this kind of job or with this kind of arrangement. I will not defile myself with this kind of food or drink or this kind of you know, relationship or place. I will not defile myself because there's a, there's a delicate position Jesus Christ holds in my life that cannot be substituted by anything. Again, let me repeat, this is how we start shining in this world as light. Because if there is no difference, if there is no difference between 
what you honor and what the world honors, then there is no way your light can shine. The reason why light shines is because it is different from darkness. But if your life doesn't carry that difference, then there will be no nothing for people to acknowledge or to even behold and say, this person is different from me. Do you get what I'm saying? So it all begins with consecration and consecration starts from the heart. Please help me type this in the con comment section, wherever you are listening to this Mixeller on Zoom, type it and say consecration starts from the heart. Please type it um, as we proceed, all right? Consecration starts from the heart. Please go ahead and type that in. All right, now, I, again, I want to read a scripture from John chapter 14, verse 30, just to show us the power of this consecration. Um, the book of John chapter 14 and verse 30. Don't forget to type in your comments. Consecration starts from, from the hearts. John chapter 14 and verse 30. And, you know, every day, right, the devil is looking for ways to blur that line um, and use, uses different, different religious lingua to blur the line between um, a consecrated life and an unconsecrated life. But we must remember there's always a difference. As long as there's a difference between light and darkness, there will always be a difference between a consecrated life and an unconsecrated life. All right? Consecration starts from here. Thank you. I see your comments. Mixeller, I haven't seen any comments yet. Please don't forget to type in consecration starts from the heart. So I want to read for us John chapter 14, verse 30 from the Amplified Bible. Um, it says, I will not let, let me try and quote the King James. King James says, For the prince of this world comes, but he finds nothing in me. All right. But look at the way Amplified puts it. He says, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me he has nothing in nothing in common with me there is nothing in me that belongs to him and he has no power over me let me read that last um, sentence again it says he has no claim in me he has nothing in common with me and you know the truth is the reason why a lot of believers are not able to cast out the devil in their lives is because they have a lot that is in common with the devil. Imagine the devil coming to your life and feeling at home in your life. He looks at your life. He just feels, oh, wow, this is a conducive place for me. There is nothing that the, the, everything in your life is, is common or with, with him or, your, or there's a lot that is common with him. It is difficult to rebuke the devil when there is a lot in your life that is common with him. And this is the power and authority that consecration affords a believer. That a believer who is consecrated can rebuke the devil and the devil will flee because the Bible says, submit yourselves to God. Then it says, rebuke the devil and he will flee. But when the devil comes and sees a lot of things, you know, common in your life with him, and he sees that, ah, the, the devil is a liar. You too, you are a liar. Wow, we have a lot. We speak the same language. Um, the devil has comes to, to steal. You also, you steal. Ah, there's a lot in common with, with me and you. The devil comes to kill. You also, you kill. You backbite, you slander people, you, you speak malicious words, which is equivalent to killing. The devil comes and says, ah, there's a lot that is common in your life with me. I'm at home in your life. You, we can't shine as light if there's a lot common in our lives with the devil. And this is what Jesus Christ was saying, that the prince of this world comes, but there's nothing common in me that he, he finds. And let me say this, that the prince of this world is always looking for something common in our lives so that he can find as a legal basis to, to reduce the impact of, of or reduce the, the illumination of our lives. All right? Let me take that again. The devil is always looking for things that are common in our lives so that he can reduce the impact of the illumination of our light. And this is the power of consecration. And this is why I'm emphasizing on it so much at this beginning part, that the first way we shine as light in this world is that we are first and foremost consecrated to God. So let me just tell you point blank. There are certain songs you cannot listen to or you cannot entertain in your life because of your consecration to God. There are certain 
movies you can't even watch. There are certain places you can't go. There are certain relationships you can't keep around you. There are certain people you can't accommodate around you because your consecration to God will not permit so. It will defile the purity of your consecration. And I know that this kind of message is not very common in this generation especially, but the Bible cannot go out of vogue. The Bible can never, can never be obsolete. The truth is still the truth, all right? So permit me to shake your tables for these few minutes and tell you that consecration is the beginning point. Everything starts as consecration. Tell me anybody, any believer whose life you admire that is not consecrated, tell me. I pose that challenge to you. Tell me whether the person is a pastor or not a pastor. Any believer that you admire the person's life and the person doesn't live a consecrated life, it is impossible. The light you see in people that you admire is born in the womb of consecration. All right, so this is where we all begin from. This is where it all starts from. You cannot substitute consecration for anything. You can read your Bible from now to tomorrow, but if you are not consecrated, the life and the light that the Bible um, administers will not find expression in your life. All right, now let's look at the temptation of Jesus Christ and also see how that um, part of what was questioned in that whole temptation, right? We had three temptations of Jesus Christ. And what part of the things that um, the devil came to challenge in that temptation is his consecration. And what I want to do, even in listing these, um, you know, three things that will help our lights to shine, uh, what I want to do is also to draw parallels from the temptation of Jesus Christ and see how that fits into our lives at this point. All right. So since we're talking about consecration, let us look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 8 to 10. So this is talking about the temptation of Jesus Christ. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. Please, again, if you are there, you can go ahead and read for us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. All right, let me read then. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. Um, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, verse 9, all these things will I give thee if thou would fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou save. So most of us are familiar with this, you know, with the temptation of Jesus Christ and all that happened. And in this particular instance, um, Satan came to, to Jesus Christ and he took him to a high mountain to show him the glories of this world and all the pleasures and all of that. And he says, you know what, I'll give all of this to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus Christ said, Oh, obviously, I will not do that because the Bible says we should only serve the Lord. Now, this is what I'm going to that. His consecration to God was tested. It was tested in the demand to worship something else aside God. In other words, put substitute God, the, the position of God in your heart for something else. Um, and this temptation we all we would always face, all right? The, the, the temptation to substitute Christ. Remember, we read in First in um, First Peter, right, chapter chapter three, verse fifteen, where it says, "Set apart Jesus as holy and uh, as Lord." That temptation to substitute the position of Jesus Christ for something else will always come up in our lives, and this is an important point. I want I don't want you to miss. Your consecration will be tested by pleasure. Let me take that again. Your consecration will be tested by pleasure. You know, in the case of Jesus Christ here, Satan took him to the peak of a mountain and showed him all the pleasures of this world, showed him the glory, showed him the money, showed him the goods, showed him the power, showed him pleasure. And, and Satan understood that if you really want to test a man's consecration, test him with pleasure. You want to test how much a man is consecrated to God, test him with pleasure. So the pleasure could come in terms of food, it could come in terms of money. It could come in terms of um, you know, living a soft life, like we, we commonly say. 
living a soft life. It may come, it may come in different ways, but it may come in terms of women or men, you know, sexual promiscuity. It may come with, with that. But pleasure is, the, is Satan's card to test your consecration. And it's important we know this so that when it comes up, we are alert and we say, ah, the devil is trying to test my consecration to God. Because what he'll do, he'll come and tempt you with things that you want, things that you desire. You know, um, the book of James says that when we are tempted, we are tempted of our own desires. And the devil has a way of finding what your desires are, the things that, you know, entice your flesh. And you want to test your consecration with those things. But we must say like Jesus Christ, I will serve no other God, no other person except God. All right. And in the case of Daniel, you know, still talking about the fact that our, that, um, our consecration is tested by pleasure. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, Daniel proposed in his heart not to um, defile himself with the food and the drink and everything. Think about this. This guy was in the king's palace. The other people were, were still slaves. They were slaves in, the, in a foreign land. So they didn't have as much freedom and consequently as much food or as much um, lush, desirable food as those in the palace would have. Daniel and his friends had the opportunity to eat the best of the best. They had the opportunity to encounter pleasure to the highest standard. And if you ask me, this is, this is me now, I, I am quite certain that among the pleasure, pleasures offered to these people, would have been women as well, you know, because then it was a common thing to, to just indulge in sexual immorality. It was quote and unquote part of the pleasures they were entitled to. This is my own um, deduction, you know, from just drawing from the various kingdoms the Bible, you know, um, has showed us and the culture that they Im imbibed. So Daniel had the, the, the option to experience the pleasure of eating anything he wanted to. But he also knew that that was the very test of his consecration. So my question to you is this, and this should be an introspective question. What are the things that the enemy is testing your consecration with? Are they, is it pleasures of sex, pleasures of, um, of food, pleasures of song, pleasures of relaxation, or pleasures of sleep? You know, for some people, is that they, they just love sleep so much that you can, God cannot tell them to pray when they want to sleep. It will not happen. Or they love food so much that God cannot tell them to fast when they want to eat. It will not just happen. Or they love gist, even gist, this, this thing called gist. Oh my God. Some people love it so much that they can gist away their time. And when God says, okay, just come and be still and quiet before me. No, no, no. If they have not gisted a certain measure of gist, they, are, they don't just feel all right. So what is that pleasure? that is testing your consecration. You need to be honest with yourself and let God help you discover the areas in which the enemy is testing your consecration so that you can make that alignment um, back to God, okay? So remember the first thing we shine, first, not, first thing rather that causes our lights to shine in this dark world is our <clears throat> consecration to God, right? And consecration starts from the hearts and the test of consecration is pleasure. Never forget that. The test of consecration is pleasure. So whenever you, you, you are enticed, your body's, you know, like we say, your body's itching you to indulge in something. Just know that what the devil is really testing is your consecration to God. Hallelujah. All right. So we can't go beyond the first thing today because I want us to stick to time and also to take feedback and um, you know questions and contributions. So I'm gonna stop here, but next week we're going to see the remaining two, all right? Let me give you a sneak peek just to whet your appetite for next week. Um, the other two things are your conviction and your character, all right? So there are three things that cause us to shine as light in this world. Number one is your consecration. Number two is your conviction. Number three is your character, all right? So we've seen consecration, uh, but we'll look at the other two by the grace of God next week. Okay, so I want to pause here and you know take questions from us. I know this was a table shaking. Uh, uh, this was a table shaking um, session, but um, I, it's very important. We can't leave us the challenges that the the attacks the enemy is bringing <laughs> in our generation. You can't be you can't be an unconsecrated believer. You it's you will not you will be a victim of his assault. All right. 
So it's, it's important we start on these notes um, today. All right, so please, any question from any one of us, you want to ask a question, maybe something wasn't clear to you or something dropped in your heart, you know, around what we discussed today, please feel free to ask your question. Um, we will be happy to, you know, have a conversation around it. Um, it for those of us on Mixlr, please type in your, your questions in the chat and would um, would read it out and you know answer it. Please questions anybody 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 questions. Feel free to just unmute yourself and ask your questions if you have. For those was on Zoom, um, for those on Mixlr, um, like I said, you can type in your questions. I am waiting for them. Or are we still, you know, internalizing everything we heard? Is that the case? Okay, I'm waiting while while you are, you know, phrasing your questions or if, if you have any. I want to ask you a question, and I would love to hear personal experience now. And you know, there's no no nothing to be shy about this. But what are some of the ways that your own concentration has been tested? um speaking from you know your own personal experience now i'd love to hear just type in the chat one of the ways your own concentration has been tested over the years or at any point in time in your life or at any season in your life you know what are some of the ways that your concentration has been tested you know um, i'd love to hear from you just one way it could be food it could be sleep it could be sex it could be money it could be Whatever it is, um, sleep, whatever it is, just let me know in the comment section one way that your concentration has been tested um, before at any season of your life, you know. And if you think it's a personal thing, you can just send me a personal message um, and I will just read it out anonymously. Okay, Joy on, on Mixlr says, no question, just a profound study, truly, truly blessed. Hallelujah, glory to God for that. Glory to God. All right. Um, in, in Mixlr, someone says sleep and gist, just to mention a few. That is um, way that your concentration has been tested before. Sleep and gist, just to mention a few. Amazing. Someone else is dropping a comment. Um, on Zoom, please feel free to type in your comment. What, what is one way your concentration has been tested in the past? at any season of your life, or maybe even right now, you're probably going through a test, you know, of your concentration, feel free to um, just type it out. Let's, let's know, let's, let's share and, and let's know that we're not alone, you know, in this. How has your concentration been tested before at any point of your life? Um, or maybe currently, if, 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 it's, if it's the case. Feel free to type it in, type it in. I'm waiting. I've only seen one comment. So I'm waiting for at least two more comments, at least two more comments um, from us. How has your concentration been tested at any point before? Anyone, anyone wants to share? Or just type in just something short. How has your concentration be, be, been tested, rather? It's been tested with food. It's been tested with sleep. It's been tested with this or that feel free to type it in the comments. All right? Okay, so while we're also typing that, yeah, hallelujah. Okay, so thank you very much. Um, my, my consecration has been tested many times um, at my place of work. Um, um, there was a time I acted as a HR and, you know, people will, submit the applications and all and all and all. So there's this um, temptation of wanting to put person you know, not the person that is qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but because of the conviction I have <clears throat> and what I know in Christ, you are to act accordingly to what, according to what the organization wants, not what you feel or what you, because out of sympathy, and all, no, that's not what's required. Do as the organization expects of you. So we go for, I'd rather choose to go for a qualified candidate who is not related to me, 
than going for someone because I want to help and then appear like the saints or the good Samaritan while in the midst I'm not good because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm being partial here. Yeah. Yes. So that's a dicey one. Oh, this person is in need. This person is pleading. This person is crying. is close to me. Maybe it's a relative or is a family friend or friend, sister to a family friend or brother to a family friend and needs something that at least they'll bring money. But mm -hmm. you're, you are not as qualified as the other person or you're not, um, you don't fit the role as the other person. There's a way, of course, HRs will tell you that there's a way we can go about this thing and make the person qualified, even if the person is not qualified. So, uh, but consecration demands that I don't do like that. I act wisely. And I don't know if I'll be permitted to share something about consecration aside this. Okay, go ahead, yeah. Thank you very much. So you said something about the, the, the movies we even watch. I, I'm sorry, the songs we even listen to. Yes, and it even goes down to the movies we watch. And I want to say that this topic that we hear is not just for us alone. The Bible says we should be doers too, and we should proclaim. So I believe that we can go forth and share with other persons. Yesterday, I was watching a video clip of an interview. Of, they were interviewing somebody, and they called they call them the wolf person. I said, which one is wolf person? So the interviewer asked, when did you discover that there was this wolf-like spirit in you? He said, when he was 13 years old, or when she was 13 years old, or when she was, um, is he? eight years old or so she was watching uh television and she saw something about wolf and there's something within her said that this is where that that is it this is where she belongs or this is this is for her or she can be like this something of that lightning or you know mm -hmm. I, I don't know but that was demonic and then at the end of the day she's now wrapped up in this web of saying she's a wolf but you're a human being, but that's that we're not created after a wolf, we're created after the image of God, mm. you know. And then she now said that okay, then they then at the tail end of the whole talk and everything, they are now campaigning that we should show this kind of people sympathy. Sympathy will not deliver this kind of person, yeah. it's a deep-rooted issue. Yeah. So, even down to the next child that is close to you in your neighborhood. As the Lord permits, because this is evangelism, talk to the child. Caution, don't watch this type of cartoon. Don't watch this type of movie. It creates fear. And we're talking about concentration. Tomorrow you accept anything the devil gives you a solution to uh, your problem. Meanwhile, such will only land that kind of person in more um, problems. The, the enemy will never let his captive to be free. So deal with it when you can. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, um, Esther. Thanks for sharing that, um, this last part, and also the first part about consecration at your place of work. I mean, that I didn't even think about it in that way, but very apt contribution. Thank you so much. Um, Anyekeme, your hand is up. Please go ahead. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, I know I haven't been here for quite a while. It's quite amazing that today that I decided to join, Victor decided to flog me this night. Yeah. Guess what? As you were preaching this message, I really literally had chicken in my hand, chicken and chips <laughs> while this was going on. I'm like, who sent me a message today? And this issue of consecration has actually been, like I've been in that space, at least for the past two weeks, battling it back and forth, dealing with issues of fasting and then the disciplines that come with fasting and what fasting does for you, um, to your person or to your spirit. In any how you want to see it, fasting is, has multiple um, benefits, and it it also helps in this level of consecration. For you to be consecrated, you need to be able to fast off things, food, phones, sex, pleasure, basically, and that is the devil's subtle way he's creeping into the to the world right now. Everybody lives soft life. I've not come to this life to come and die. Um, you know, like everything now, everybody's talking about soft life. And then it, it dawned on me that there's a lot of things that seem good, but they are really not right. If there's no standard to judge it by, and the standard is having the fruit of the spirit. That's on the actually the honest truth. Like this evening, I was having a conversation with someone and I was like, today I wanted to fast. I woke up today and I said I must fast. So 
I started the fast. 11 o'clock, my body was shaking, gym, gym. I had a bar and soup. I'm like, I'm not eating this thing. I decided I have, I have proposed in my heart. So when you were saying words, I'm like, Victor, they just sent you to me this night. So I had proposed in my heart that I must make sure I must conquer this tummy. I must conquer this hunger. I must control my mouth because in the past few weeks, I've been eating uncontrollably. I've been stress eating. I'm happy eating. Everything had been solved with food. I said, no. It's also this better right with food. Okay. Adam and Eve lost a lot of things with food. Temptations come with food. I mean, I will not sell my destiny with food. Honestly, this is me fighting with myself. And then discipline comes in. And I've been listening to lots of messages of discipline. Either you suffer the pain of regret or the pain of discipline. Pick the particular pain that you want. Because yeah. So I'm like, so this is me fighting it. And today, 12 o'clock, I can do it. I took communion. I said, I must do this thing. I proposed in my heart, I'm going to continue. Three o'clock, I broke the holy fasting to glory be to God, six o'clock. But guess what? I did not need to eat the amount of pleasurable food that I had this evening. So we continue tomorrow, we move. But either way, it wasn't, it, it, just, it just brings more perspective and just helps me understand that, one, I was in the right place today. God ordained my steps and he wants me to, continue pushing till i get it right thank you, you till i get it right honestly and this is just i literally had chicken in my hand when you were talking i'm like <laughs> <"Send> this guy <laughs> and so this is um, um my story today and i hope a lot of us would hear and be encouraged to live a consecrated life it's actually for our own good my pastor used to tell me years ago, Annie, your problem is that you like pleasure. I was a child and I didn't understand it. But now I'm grown up, I understand it. Too much pleasure is the enemy of success, greatness, of a whole lot of things. If you really want to be great and if you really want to stand out, it doesn't come easy. But when you push and keep on pushing, you'll be better for it and you'll be happy you did. You overcome the discipline of eating healthy, of depriving yourself pleasure doesn't mean you won't have it. You can have the pleasure, but you have it at your own terms in the controlled amount that you want. You won't allow it to control you. And that's why a lot of things are going on in our society where people can be bought. I say they give them small money, they vote for the wrong person, and then you suffer the remaining generation should suffer. A whole generation suffers because of 1,000 naira, a bag of rice. $10,000 in this case, now that they're having delegates, but it's still not worth it. Mm. That's how it goes back. The fruit of the spirit to guide whatever we're doing. Don't mind you, I'm not a saint though. I'm saying the things that I'm saying it to myself too, literally. Like it should guide you because at the end of the day, it's um what are we here for? And there was something you said that I think I need to take my time and study. And I think a lot of us haven't really understood it. When you talked about when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You see that savior, a lot of us take the savior part. That lordship is a different game entirely. In fact, it's a not so sweet part that we don't want to agree. Because lordship literally is dictatorship. And there's something God would do, you would not understand. And do you know what it means to say yes, sir, even though I do not understand? It's a whole different ball game. That's not in relation to the topic of today, but I'm sure Victor will, will hit you. on it sometime. Um, thank yeah. you. It was nice listening today. Thank you very much, Annie. That was the whole message, actually. And uh, in case you didn't hear my message, you must, you must have heard Annie's own. Thank you very much for that. God bless you. Um, um, on on Mixeller, um, okay, Joy also mentioned money in business as part of the part of the um, part of the way she has been, you know, test her consecration has been tested. Um, money as well in business. All right, thank you very much. Um, the contributions were very, very helpful. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also blessed as well. Something that personally, I'm going to go back to, to study for myself and imbibe in my own life for that. All right, thank you so much, everyone. Let's say a word of prayer as we close. Uh, before I hand over to Faith um, to close for us, let's say a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, this study and what you've showed us and how you've you know, taught us and prompted our hearts. We are grateful. Lord, we receive the grace to live out your word. 
and we looked at concentration today, we receive the grace to live a consecrated life. There are areas of consecration that we might not even be able to share in public, but in our hearts, we know that you are talking at us to consecrate ourselves in those areas. For some, it might even be the amount of time we spend on social media or whatever it is. But Father, we ask for the grace, we receive that grace today to live consecrated lives unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, over to you, Faith, um, to close for us. Faith, are you there? Yes. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Victor, for that wonderful teaching. And for everyone who contributed, learned, learned so much. And I'm just praying that we are able to you know, put all this to practice and, you know, take a survey and look through our lives and see the places that we need to really consecrate ourselves for God's use. And I pray that God will help us all in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, I want to encourage us, if you haven't joined um, our prayer cluster group, so basically what we have with our prayer cluster is we have certain days where we need to pray and, you know, just fellowship together. It's a small group where you can, you know, pray together with other people of like mind. And I'm going to be dropping the link for the prayer cluster form so you can feel pick any day that you know is convenient for you and then join other people to pray um do we have anyone that is fellowshipping with us for the very first time any first timer in our midst please signify or introduce yourself how did you get to hear about us who invited you and where are you listening to us from is there anyone like that here is there anyone on mixella victor first timer um none yet okay and i also like to encourage us as well to join our WhatsApp group so that you can be updated on any of our programs, because that's where we post the podcast and other um, notifications as well. So I'm also going to be dropping the link to the podcast, I'm sorry, to the community. So if you've not joined the WhatsApp group, please join as well okay so we don't have any newcomers okay, please i want to encourage us as well so next time i know we've learned a lot and we're really happy about what we learned but we know someone you know someone that you know needs to hear this please come with them next week once we drop the podcast on the group as well you can send it to them encourage them to listen it's your own little form of evangelism so I encourage us to do that as well. Thank you all. God bless you. Victor. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Once again, God bless you. See you next week, same time, same Holy Spirit, and the same links we used to join as well. God bless you all. Have a wonderful um, remain part of your day. Bye.